As a leader in advanced HVAC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric is committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness, with a focus on personal comfort and prosperous communities. Mitsubishi offers a variety of indoor options, including high-wall floor mount, duct handlers, and extremely popular one-way ceiling cassette. Climate systems are great for a single room or the entire home, providing 100% capacity to minus 5 degrees. A full range of control options including Wi-Fi, touchscreen, and thermostats, and simple remotes are available to meet every customer's needs. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. For more information, go to MitsubishiComfort.com. Lori Rawlings is the President and CEO of Lori Rawlings & Associates. She provides consulting services promoting recruiting and retention of women and people of color in the construction industry. She is a steering committee member of the Safe from Hate Alliance, a group of construction industry stakeholders dedicated to advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion of clearly addressing job site cultures. She previously served as Executive Director of the Plumbing and Mechanical Contractors Association of Oregon, she practiced law for more than a decade, before that was a newspaper reporter, graduated from, from both Stanford Law School and University of Wisconsin with honors. Well, good morning. This is Mark Madison. Welcome to Mark Madison on Books and People, my podcast. Today, we have the distinct pleasure of having Lori Rawlings with us from Portland, Oregon. Is that where you are, Lori? That's where I am, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, are you kidding? It's It's been too long since we talked, so this is great. I've, I'm trying to remember uh, how we met. I remember when we started working together. It was, in, uh, it was in Wisconsin, right? That's correct. I was the executive director of the Plumbing Mechanical Sheet Metal Contractors Alliance in Milwaukee. I don't remember how we met either. We must have met at a conference, like a national conference that you spoke I, at. I think it maybe it was Tim Brink that introduced us. Oh, yeah, that could be. Tim's the CEO of MCAA, the Mechanical Contractors Association of America. Yeah. And uh, I was the executive director of one of their local affiliates in Milwaukee. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. Tim is such a good guy. He's been very kind to me over the years, referring me to people. And he, I had him as a guest, too. He's a great guy. Yeah, smart. wonderful guy smart as a whip, but yep. so are you. Oh, oh my gosh. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate you, you that. You went to a really crummy little college. You want to tell us about that? <laughs> uh, well, maybe you're referring to where I went to law school. Yeah, I went to Stanford Law School. Um, Stanford Law School. Now there's something that's been bothering me for years. The mascot is Cardinal, singular, mm -hmm. no S. It's mm -hmm. not a bird, right? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that refers to their school color. The color is, is cardinal. Cardinal red. Yes, just like my other alma mater, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, which is where I went to undergrad. So I have the same school colors for both of my alma maters. That's very convenient. Was that a criterion for enrollment? It was. It was actually <laughs> the only criterion. <laughs> if the colors are right, everything else has got to go That's along right. swimmingly. I don't have to change my wardrobe. Oh my gosh. So what did you study at Wisconsin? Uh, at Wisconsin, I actually majored in journalism and I was a newspaper reporter for a little bit before I decided to go to law school. 
Shut the front door. That's so cool. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was an experience. I'll say that. I mean, I learned a lot. Um, mostly that newspapers were dying. <laughs> and that's why I decided to get myself back in, in graduate school. Bad timing. Very bad timing. It was in the late 90s, just when the internet, <clears throat> excuse me, was starting to, you know, become a primary source of news for people. Um, so um, it was a good experience. I learned a lot and I was able to translate a lot of those school, uh, a lot of those skills I learned as a journalist into practicing law. And then my later career moves uh, running associations. I think it's fascinating when you look at the history of somebody like Malcolm Gladwell or Mark Twain, they all started out as cub reporters in some some little rag in some, you know, some small backwater town yeah. and kind of work their way up. Mm -hmm, Did you ever have aspirations of writing? I mean, no, writing as in books and. I still do, to be honest. I, you know, it's something I just haven't really gotten around to, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I went into journalism and majored in journalism because I've always loved writing since I was a little kid. Mm. I remember Were you the little girl that had the diary in the journals? Absolutely. I've kept a journal since I was a very uh, young person and. Oh. I remember writing stories on my grandparents' typewriter, just kind of banging away, making my own little newspapers at home when I was a little kid. And Oh, that's so, so great. Yeah, so I've always loved writing, and I don't get to do as much of it as I would like these days, um, but it's still my main passion. Uh, just for the millennials listening, typewriters were these things that we had. Uh <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, they probably don't even, they can't read cursive either. So it is a good, it's a good thing to kind of give people a little context every now and then. When you say Palmer perfect now, no one knows what that means. I actually don't know what that means, Mark. Oh my gosh. <laughs> is so, that referring to Arnold Palmer or something no, like that? No, 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 no. So Palmer perfect is uh, a writing style that, kids were taught in the 60s and 70s uh really in like first second and third grade you okay. you wrote you stayed within the lines right it was a lined paper and you had to do the alphabet and it had to stay inside the lines and it was palmer perfect oh yeah we had to do that but i never heard the phrase palmer perfect but yeah i remember the lines and the little dotted line in the middle right okay right. i didn't well, realize that, as, as writers you know we learned the alphabet with the palmer method and then you had to be Palmer perfect if your paper was going to pass. And oh wow, so, wow! I know. I didn't realize that. See, I learned something new just through talking to you this morning. I know it's scary, isn't it? We're I'm four honest. minutes in, and I've already learned something new. I'm a font of knowledge, and humility is my best quality. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so you got a law degree. Now it always makes me smile when somebody says he practices law. Mm -hmm. or he practices medicine <laughs> stop practicing when are you gonna actually go do it yeah. well i did stop practicing after about 10 or 11 years and i i realized practice didn't make perfect <laughs> well what kind of law did you practice um i practice commercial litigation primarily so that's big companies suing each other over breaches of contract or insurance policy disputes sometimes products liability like if a 
piece of equipment fails. So there was a little bit of construction related products liability in there. And then actually I, I went in house for a little while for two different organizations. The first was the Milwaukee Metropolitan Sewerage District where I primarily did big transactions. Um, and then to Johnson Controls for a little bit where I did some big transactions before I ultimately decided I wanted to do other things. You're going to think I'm making this up, but I'm literally wearing a shirt that says Johnson Controls right now. Oh my God, that's hilarious. I, I mean, you not. it's, I guess it's not that far of a stretch because Johnson Controls is such a big player in the HVAC industry. Right. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I get free shirts all the time, Lori. Oh, because you? I do because I wear the competitor's polo shirt when I go present to a different manufacturer. Yeah, that's awesome. I, and they go, I used... what are you doing? And I said, well, I just, I need some more shirts. <laughs> Guys, get me, you know. I used to do the same thing at the um, the um, association golf outing in, in Milwaukee. I would make sure that I would prominently display DeWalt on some of the um, marketing <laughs> materials to get more sponsorship and swag from Milwaukee Tool. So uh, I'm surprised they've never picked up on that trick. Well, uh, it's it's a subtle little thing, but my closet is lined with one polo shirt after another. That's awesome. Good for you, man. I know. You got to do it. I, <laughs> that's, that's all I can say. You got to do it. <laughs> so what did practicing law all those years teach you? What are some of the transferable skills that you, you took from that that are, that have helped you you know going forward into different disciplines? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think there are a lot of different transferable skills that have really helped me. Um, writing, obviously, we've talked about you're really forced to become very good at explaining things succinctly because that's a big part of practicing law. Being in, able to analyze the situation and sort of break it down and understand the different components and what's really going on. And then being able to translate that back to explain it to someone else and advocate for the outcome you think should happen. That's a really important skill I learned as, as a lawyer. So the preparation and the analysis leads to the persuasion and, and, and winning the day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you really have to understand a situation or a problem really almost on a molecular level to be a really effective advocate. So, you know, I find that helps me every day in the work I do now is being able to, you know, kind of break down a situation to its component parts and really understand what's driving um was driving the issue and then, you know, being able to figure out a way to uh, advocate for my preferred outcome. And then I think just also um, being able to really listen when people are talking, because right. one of the, um, one of the primary things you need to do, especially as a litigator is gather information and um, follow up on leads. Um, so and, you know, that's a skill that I also develop as a journalist as well, is really listening when someone's telling me something right. and not just waiting to respond or 
waiting until they stop talking to ask my next question, you know, rather than following my own agenda, I try to let the, um, the facts take me where they lead. And I, I think I ended up being a better journalist and a better lawyer because of that. The answer to the last question leads you to the next question. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you can't be rigid and stick to an outline. You need to actually be open to exploring things that people say. Sometimes they'll, they'll let something drop that you had no idea was an issue and you have to be prepared to ask follow-up questions and go in an entirely different direction from where you thought you were going to go. It's like improv in a very real sense. It is. It is. It's a lot like improv, actually. And I think the whole, I think every conversation, if it's yes and, it flows like water. If it's no but, it stops abruptly. Yeah, that's a really good point. And you're really good at that. You're a really good conversationalist, Mark. Uh, thank you. I'll give you 10 years to stop saying that. <laughs> uh, give me 20. Okay, that's fair. I'll, I'll write that down. <laughs> So uh, that's really sweet. I appreciate that. I've worked really hard at it and I've studied it extensively, but it's, it's one of those things that you have to understand when I was in a senior in high school, I got most talkative and it wasn't a compliment. <laughs> I was so disruptive and I was such a pain in everybody's behind. You know, I had one teacher just say, get out, out, out. She said, out, really? out of my class. Oh yeah. And it was the, it was the you know, it was the college preparatory class, right? It was an honors class. It was all the smartest kids. And I loved the class and I was getting an A, mm -hmm. but I couldn't stop riffing. I couldn't stop, you know, <laughs> well, being a smart aleck. You know, I think you've managed to parlay that into a pretty successful career, Mark. So I wouldn't be ashamed of being talkative and, and you know, uh, gregarious. I think that's a strength. Oh, thanks. Well, it just took me a while to, to learn the opposite of talking too much. And that was listening. I never listened my way out of a, out of a sale. That's a good point. That's a really good point. You know, I think Calvin Coolidge was the one that said, they called him silent Cal because he almost never talked. Mm -hmm. And he said, no one ever listened their way out of a job. I thought that was a great quote. <laughs> that's a really good really good quote a really good reminder well back to what you were saying when you were talking about the preparation the exhaustive preparation the analysis and and so on in law i thought about abe lincoln he it's been said that he would prepare his own case then he would prepare mm -hmm. the other attorney absolutely case. so so he was able yeah to see you absolutely both have to do that you have to be prepared for the holes that your opponent is going to try to poke in your case and be able to respond. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a brilliant strategy that Lincoln used. Um, and, and, you know, it's something, even non-lawyers, um, that's a strategy that they can use in preparing for any, any persuasive talk or piece of writing that they have to put together is anticipating the arguments on the other side and uh, the other side and um, preparing ways to respond to them. It's empathy in action, isn't it? Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point because you have to get inside somebody else's mind to understand their opposing point of view and the 
the things they might bring up in response to what you've said. So you really do have to have empathy and the ability to stand in someone else's shoes to really fully understand the situation and be able to be prepared to respond for objections or counter arguments. Yeah, what's really driving that person's behavior? What, what is it they really want? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. What 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 are they looking for? And it, right. it's it's not always completely obvious on the surface, and it may not always even be really completely obvious to the person across the table from you either. I mean, right. maybe what they're really looking for is just somebody to listen or validation, and not necessarily five million dollars. Although five million dollars might help, I don't know. Well, it can't hurt. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, my wife will occasionally say, I want to run something by you. And then I always say, okay, so do you want me to listen to understand or do you want me to listen to offer some feedback? Mm-hmm. And she goes, no, no, just to understand. I said, okay. So then I listen actively, you know, and I paraphrase and and I say things like that it must be frustrating or, you know, she's just jealous or, you know, whatever the response is. Mm-hmm. And then she'll say, well, so what do you think? I said, I don't know. I wasn't listening to for advice. I was listening to try to understand. <laughs> I told you at the outset that I needed to know which. <laughs> I, I need, I'm not that skilled. I need clarity. Oh my gosh. No, I so, mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I, I think that's a really good point. I mean, a lot of times people are just they're just looking for a sounding board. They're not looking for somebody to solve their problem or to give them advice. They really just, it helps a lot of people just to talk something out and have somebody else listen. And that helps in their own decision-making process about what to do next. You can solve your own problem. You just need somebody to not interrupt. Right. Exactly. Uh, And you know, when I do, when I teach active listening in seminars, I, I'll turn to the women in the audience and go, ladies, how many of you wish your husband or boyfriend would listen to you the way your best girlfriend does? <laughs> and they all raise their hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I mm-hmm. turn to the guys and go, guys, they don't want you to try to fix it. They just want you to listen. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, prob- the problem is all of our, all of, as guys, all of our self-esteem comes from fixing stuff. Oh, okay. So now you're telling us that we're not going to get any self-esteem out of this deal? Oh, man. Oh, yeah, that's a tough one. Dude, that's a, t- that's a hard pill to swallow. But I think that's a good point you make is that a lot of times there are differences in what women and men are looking for in terms of when they're, when they're talking to a friend or describing a problem. Um, you're right. Generally, women just want somebody to listen. And a lot of times men are thinking, I need to fix this problem. And right. that does that does tend to sometimes lead to conflict or misunderstanding. So it's really a good practice to really think about, okay, what is this person really looking for when they're, when they're talking to me? My favorite expression to other men uh, is shut your pie hole monkey boy. (laughs) Sure. That gets your point across. Because every dude understands that one. Okay. Awesome. I'll, I'll yeah. add that to my repertoire. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, but you have to, you have to be uh, close friends with somebody to be able to get away with that. I'll do oh. that occasionally with strangers in seminars, but <laughs> I figure if they're in my seminar, they're not strangers anymore. So <laughs> it always awesome. gets a laugh. I'll tell you that. 
So yeah. as in law school and beyond, who were the mentors? Who were the, the men and women that had a big impact on your life? I've had so many mentors. I've been so fortunate throughout my life to have really good people who really took me under their wing to make sure that I was doing my best work and getting the opportunities that I needed to get. So I, I've got so many people in my life um, up to this day. Uh, you know, in the MCAA community, I don't know if you know Steve Lamb. He oh, yeah. Is, yeah. Steve is such an amazing mentor. I, you know, I, I call him pretty routinely still, even though I, you know, I've been working in this industry for 10 years now. Um, but Steve has so much experience and he's so kind and such a good listener and just he, has he really re is. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and he's so generous with his time and with his understanding so he's been an amazing mentor. Um, and, he, and he's been retired for a while. He, yeah. I mean, he's not really retired. He's still doing consulting work for MCAA. Um, right. Strategic but out of planning. Chicago, right? Yeah. He left Chicago probably. He was the, um, the executive director of the Chicago affiliate of mcaa that's how we met like 15 years ago yeah 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 exactly so i mean i think he's probably it's probably been at least five years since he retired from that role and then he's been kind of a full-time mentor to other mcaa executives since then um he travels around the country doing best practices reviews for different executives and just has a wealth of knowledge, information and patience that he shares with people. So he's, mm. he's been a huge mentor in my life in this line of work. Uh, you know, I had some really great bosses when I was practicing law too. my, the director of legal services at the Milwaukee Metropolitan Sewerage District, Mike McCabe. Uh, I mean, he was just amazing. Um, he, had a lot of experience and just a lot of patience too, in terms of the ability to wait out a situation. Uh, and he had the strength of understanding that you don't always have to be reactive to a situation. Sometimes time and patience will take care of it on its own. Uh, and he just seemed to have a really good sixth sense in terms of when to react and when to wait. Um, you, you, I heard four things that you said about both men. They were patient, they were smart, they were kind, and they were generous. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think those are sort of the critical characteristics of a good mentor is, you know, willingness to listen, willingness to understand, um, being generous with their time and their expertise. So yeah, I've been really fortunate. And those are just two examples. I mean, there are so many other people who have been just amazing to me over the course of my career. Do you think they took you under their wing because they saw something in you? Gosh, I hope so. Um, <laughs> you know, I never really asked them, but man, I would hope so. I mean, yeah. maybe they saw something that reminded them of themselves when they were younger lawyers. Um, I, I know or... that's true for me. If I spend a bunch of time with someone, a young person, it's because, you know, if they take one step, I'll take two mm -hmm. and I'll always do that. But uh, when I see the qualities and characteristics in someone else, that ambition, that drive, that 
that that thirst for knowledge you know i'll I'll always make the time good for you it's so important i mean especially for women in any profession for somebody to reach out and mentor them because i think it's really hard um because there just aren't a lot of women in leadership roles or just not as many as there should be yeah, yeah, not not as many as there should be. Right. So it's really, really profound when a man will mentor a woman in that way, because, you know, a, a lot of times um, younger male colleagues, they get, sort of get naturally mentored just because exactly what you said, you see something in, in, in a younger version of yourself that makes you want to mentor them. And it's it's sometimes a little hard for men to bridge that gap with women because they may feel uncomfortable like oh you know will my my mentoring kind of be misconstrued as something different right and, and ulterior also, motives yeah 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 exactly and they may not feel comfortable asking a female subordinate out to lunch or out for a beer in the same way they would with a male uh, subordinate you run the risk of it being misunderstood. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's really tragic because I think those mentoring relationships are very important in everybody's career development. And, you know, it's a shame when females miss out on, on that sort of thing just because there's a fear that it might be misconstrued. So I'm really fortunate that I've had a lot of really great uh, men and women mentors throughout my career. I, I think of the book by Sheryl Sandberg, Lean In, mm-hmm. Women Work and the Will to Lead. Yep. And I, when I read that, that and Nora Ephron, who's one of my literary oh, yeah. heroes. Yeah, she's amazing. I feel bad about my neck and uh, thoughts to consider. I mean, her books are hilarious, but right. the, in between the laughter, you find yourself, you know, gathering up these practical insights for because of her knowledge and wisdom. Yeah, I mean, both Sheryl Sandberg and Nora Ephron are just amazing, amazing, uh, wise, brilliant women. And we lost Nora Ephron too soon. I mean, oh, she, I watched Sleepless in Seattle the other night for the umpteenth time. And it's yeah. probably my favorite comedy, not mm-hmm. just because it was filmed in Seattle, but there's a, she, she said something interesting in an interview. When, when choosing the music, because the soundtrack for that movie is just flawless. It's one of the finest soundtracks you'll ever listen to. And every song uh, makes a very specific point in, in the arc of the story, right? So you realize that the, the lyrics in the song is an echo, but she chose old songs from the 30s and 40s mm-hmm. sung by contemporary artists. Mm-hmm. She said she chose old songs because she didn't want to date the movie by the music. That's really wise. Really wise. Right? Yeah. Yeah, she just had great taste. You know, she started out as a journalist. She did. Um, yeah. In DC, right? Um, I, I think it may it, DC or New York, because I, I think she was involved in a pretty major court case against either the New York Times or the Washington Post, because female reporters were paid a lot less. They actually were given different titles and paid a lot less than their male counterparts. And she was on JFK's staff, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she just had a really amazing life, really amazing. And was just such a crusader for women's equality. Um, She, you know, just had a really inspiring life story. 
Well, in all of her movies, you know, the four or five of them, and they're all brilliant, they were semi-autobiographical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And she said, hey, all life is copy. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, she really mined her marriage and divorce from um, Carl Bernstein for yes. Heartburn, which is another great movie with a great soundtrack. With Jack Nicholson, yeah. Yep. I mean, and Meryl I think, Streep, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was that's one of the underrated movies. It really like, is. Yeah, I, I mean, because it's really bittersweet. Um, you know, just her ability to kind of take a look at that relationship and and you know turn something that could have been well that was really painful into a beautiful work of art that was just really inspiring. Funny and heart-wrenching and, and mm-hmm. insightful at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, so that so we we've established you're a fan of Nora and Ephraim. So that's great. <laughs> that you're, you, my my opinion, you've just gone up a couple of notches. That's wonderful. I appreciate yes. that. So, what advice would you offer to women in business? Oh man, there are so many different pieces of advice. I mean, but I think it really boils down to finding a way to believe in yourself even in situations where it's clear other people don't or they don't want you to be there because you are a woman um, and trying to find a mentor, um, being proactive about that is probably one of the best things you can do to help your own career development and your own professional development. And I would encourage women not to be shy about asking someone to mentor them um, or at least creating opportunities for somebody to mentor you if it's not happening, happening naturally Um, because you learn so much from the people who have been doing what you do for 20 to 30 years. Right. Um, there's just so much institutional knowledge that people have and are really willing and happy to share with younger people. If younger right. people just have the courage to ask and ask to be mentored. So, so what you're saying is unassertive people have skinny kids. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask for what you need in terms of mentorship, in terms of opportunities and professional development and don't underestimate your own worth um which is another really tricky thing for women because we're socialized not to ask for more money and we get caught in this double bind where if we do ask we are often seen as not cooperative and and greedy and not a team player even when men who ask for more money are seen as assertive and having leadership potential. So, I mean, there are a lot of double standards that women have to navigate even in 2022, which aren't fair, but I would try not to let those stand in your way and just be calm and assertive and self-confident and confident in your own capabilities and worth because that really comes across and people do respect you um and often you will get what you ask for and what you want if you have the courage uh of your convictions so there's a 
Jack Nicholson's last film was 2013. It was a film called How Do You Know with Reese Witherspoon and Owen Wilson and Paul Rudd. Oh, that's a good cast. I haven't oh, seen this movie. Oh my gosh. And there's a scene in there where she, she plays a, uh, a forced to retire softball player who'd been player of the year the year before. And out of the, the departure package, she gets to see a psychiatrist played brilliantly by Tony Shalhoub. Oh, so she, oh my God. Another great actor. I know. So she goes in and he says, can I help you? And he says, yeah. She goes, I don't think, I don't even want to be here. She goes, I'm going to just going to go. He said, that's fine. She gets to the door and she says, okay, is there one piece of advice you could offer? That would solve any problem for every person every time. He said, Yeah, I think I can answer that. Said, Great, what is it? Figure out what you want in life and learn how to ask for it. That's a great piece of advice. And I stopped the video, Lori, and I wrote it in my journal. I played it again and I wrote it in my journal and I went, Oh my gosh, there it is. Most of the people you meet, if they know what they want, they haven't learned how to ask for it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's really hard to figure out what you really want because we get so many messages from society from the time we're really little in terms of what society thinks we should want, but it's not necessarily what really makes you tick. So I think that's really profound, meaningful advice. It's great advice. Well, it's, it's just a rom-com, but it was more than that for me. There's no such thing. I know. <laughs> uh, you know, I study music and popular culture and movies and because there's nuggets there if you're willing to look for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, People absolutely. think I watch a lot of movies for entertainment. I don't. It's work. When I'm watching a movie, it's work. Well, I agree. I mean, most people who set out to make a movie, they usually have a message they're trying to convey. And, right. you know, just because there are entertaining and humorous elements doesn't mean that there isn't a deeper meaning and a deeper purpose to a lot of the art that people put out there. So I think you can find all kinds of wisdom and meaning in romantic comedies. I agree. Musicals and things like that. Yeah. So last question, because we're almost out of time. What's next for you? Well, yeah, thank you for asking. I I'm launching a consulting business designed to advise businesses on how to create more just, healthy, equitable, diverse, and inclusive workplaces, because that's really where my passion lies. And I've been doing this work kind of as part of all the different things I've done in my career so far, but never full-time. And I think the time has come to devote myself full-time to helping businesses figure out, okay, there's more to getting more women and people of color into leadership roles than just recruiting. I mean, we have to actually figure out how to retain these talented people that we attract. And there are changes that a lot of businesses really need to make in order to make their workplaces more hospitable to people who have different backgrounds from the people that they normally hire. So I'm really excited about the work and uh, I'm just getting up and running in the last month or two. And I'm just, I'm really thrilled to try and make a difference in the world. Oh, I'm so excited for you <laughs> because the world has become a Benetton ad, right? <laughs> Yeah. And when we were looking, the whole world changed. And God bless you for doing that. Thank you. Uh, so uh, 
I, 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 there's two things I want to add before we run out of time here. Number one is I hear a book in your future because of your journalistic background and your law degree and your wealth of knowledge. We could go on for another hour easy, I'm sure. So I, I'm planting that seed. And when that, when you're ready to do that, you give me a call and we'll, I'll help you get that done. I really but, appreciate that, Mark. Of course. And the second thing is how does somebody contact you? Yeah, I'm, I'm not hard to find. Um, email is a great way to reach me. My first name, L-A-U-R-I, my last name, dot Rawlings, R-O-L-L-I-N-G-S at gmail.com. That's a great way to reach me. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm really excited to talk to you, Mark. This has been a great experience. And I've always looked up to you in terms of your ability to, to get things done, especially mm -hmm. with all the books you've written. I mean, it's just amazing. You're, you're able to take an idea from start to finish and actually write something and get it published. I, you know, I, I really admire that and respect it because I know how much work goes into doing something like that, which is why I've never written and published a book. Not yet. <laughs> Up until yet. now. Up until now. The seed has been planted, young lady. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. You're right. I just have to buckle down and do it. I'm, I think that's probably exactly where your strength lies is, you know, you're just, ability to sit down and do the work and and make it happen write three pages a day or one hour whichever comes first until well, there you go until the project's done yeah That's it. it's a great tip it yeah. takes the discipline and the focus to do it yeah well you and i'll have a separate conversation about that uh off air but thank you so much for making the time today i i, I suspect i'm gonna have to have you back because we have a lot to talk about but if, if you want one of the smartest people you'll ever meet to help you with issues from diversity to uh, creating a healthy workplace, give Lori, that's L-A-U-R-I dot Rawlings, R-O-L-L-I-N-G-S at gmail.com and she can help, I promise. Thank you so much, Mark. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here with you today and I'm really honored that you asked me to be your guest. It won't be the last time. Thanks, Mark. As a leader in advanced HVC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric is committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness. From electric cars to electric water heaters to electric heating and cooling, the future is electric. The demand for all of our electric heat pumps have never been greater. So there's no better time to join our community of premier contractors and grow your business. Here are some of the reasons why partnering with Mitsubishi Electric is a great idea. Mitsubishi is the number one selling heat pump in America and has been the industry leader for over 35 years. Mitsubishi offers local technical support and has a network of excellent distributors. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. To find out more, contact MitsubishiComfort.com. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206 697 0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books simply go to my website www.sparkingsuccess.net and remember make it a great day unless you have other plans